It is the Saturday Coffee Clutch, and welcome back with Heather Lofthouse, uh, who is Executive Director of Inequality Media Civic Action, my former student, and my colleague and friend and muse. And Heather, uh, how was your week? What an introduction. Thank you. My week was good. I mean, it's terrible, but it's fine. One day at a time and all of those phrases. I did want to say that that tune we just played was composed by Corey Kaup and Deirdre Broderick. And if for those who are newer to the clutch, we crowdsourced our songs from you all. And two listeners, Substackers, sent us that glorious tune. And the one that we close with, our outro, if you will, was written by Joseph Lawson, another Substack reader, viewer, community member. So thank there you for so those. There's so much talent out there in our Substack. Thank you all. Yes. And, uh, and we also, got, you know, we had some extraordinary famous composers. Michael Hoppe uh, gave us a absolutely beautiful ode uh, that we haven't used in a while, but we may use again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you to back. all of you. Thank and, you to uh, all of you. And, and uh, for joining us Yes, I agree. Now, should we get to the grim stuff? Let's get to the grim stuff. Um, where should we begin? Can we talk about, and you've talked so much about this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the latest polls, Bob, the latest polls, you, polls, you've told us over the years, don't pay too much attention, especially when we're far out and it's all a horse race, but they're scary. So what should we take from the latest grim statistics? Uh, well, don't be worried. Don't be worried. The grim statistics you, you were referring to, I, I assume, is a series of polls that show that uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, and Donald Trump are running neck and neck uh, and that Biden's popularity, his favorabilities are still very, very low and people don't give him any credit for the good economy and they're not giving him credit for even the infrastructure, uh, huge infrastructure program that has been launched. Uh, and they, there's even a, a poll, and these are, by the way, these are all legitimate polls. Uh, there's even a poll that, that shows that most people think that, and most people, including a lot of Democrats, think that Donald Trump has a vision for America. Mm. A vision for America? Well, it is a... I mean... It is a vision. It is a, you know, a fascist vision, but it's a vision. Uh, But let me just reassure you, Heather, because you brought this up. Um, Polls 14 months before an election don't mean a damn thing. Uh, The only reason to be concerned uh, is that you would expect, given uh, how, you know, Donald Trump has been not just impeached twice, but he's been indicted four times, uh, you would, and there's been a lot of a lot of discussion about what he did uh, to ha- be criminally indicted. You would expect that a little bit of that would wear off on the electorate. I know uh, people would would be you know, and that um, and that the good economy, and it is a good economy. I mean, it's uh, granted that we have long-term economic problems. We've had them for for four decades, but in terms of where we are right now. Uh, in the business cycle, in terms of avoiding inflation, avoiding recession, um, we are in a very, very good place. And you would think that some of that would also wear off on the electorate, on people who were taking polls. Yeah. Uh, so I, 
while I, the, the bottom line, Heather, is that while I'm not concerned yet, um, I do think uh, it is a little bit of a wake-up call in terms of um, asking ourselves why Biden is not doing better and Trump is not doing worse. Right. Now, many polls obviously occur with registered voters, likely voters. So one that was out this week was non-voters, people who are not planning to vote for various and sundry reasons, or they're not registered. And two to one said they favor Trump. And one of the reasons is they agree with him that elections are rigged, which is, I mean, this is interesting for many reasons, but it's almost as if Trump is purposely disenchanting people so they don't vote, which is a vote for him in many ways. Uh, well, in, in, a, in a way, that's right. I, I think that the big irony here uh, is that, you know, our, our system is rigged. It's rigged for the very rich. It's rigged for the oligarchs. I mean, the only reason we, the only hope we have, frankly, is to get our democracy back. Uh, for a lot of people to vote, uh, for us to reject the, the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 the low taxes for the very wealthy, um, as opposed to what they used to be, they used to be much, much higher. Uh, the changes that have been made it made it much harder for people to form unions. The changes that have uh, basically eviscerated much of antitrust law. All of these changes over the last decades uh, contributed to by Donald Trump, by the way, uh, are things that we really do need to change uh, if we're ever going to get back to a working democracy. Uh, so the great irony is that while the, the system is rigged and it is rigged in the wrong way, uh, Donald Trump is not gonna unrig it. In fact, Donald Trump is the president who provided a huge tax cut to the wealthy and to right. big corporations uh, and saying that it would trickle down to the average working person and nothing trickled down. Right, now, and also, to your point, I think Biden's doing some unrigging, some de-rigging that's not getting enough attention and or is just being overlooked or ignored. So you did a Substack yesterday that had some terrifying statistics in it, one of which I'll read. I made a note. Um, you put in there the 2016 Wall Street bonus pool was larger than the annual year round earnings of all 3.3 million Americans working full time at the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour, the Wall Street bonus pool. So this makes me think too, Bidenomics, we've talked about it, you know, their messaging issues, either piece, people see him as old, so they don't see the progressive stuff he's doing, but isn't he doing the work at various levels of getting Wall Street out in a way that other people didn't? Some young people are like, ah, oh, you know, he's to the right of Obama and Clinton in many ways. But you were there. What is happening in terms of Wall Street's influence? Aren't there, are we making headway? Yes, we are. In fact, Biden is the most progressive president we have had in this country uh, since the early days of Lyndon Johnson, when we had the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. I mean, Biden is much more progressive than Clinton or than Obama. Uh, Biden has brought into his White House, I mean, just look at the economic policy. Uh, you know, Clinton and Obama stuffed the White House with, with Wall Streeters. 
who had a very rigid view, a kind of a neoliberal view of of how the economy should run. You know, the uh, deregulation and privatization and globalization and all the Asians uh, that really ended up hurting people. Uh, what uh, Biden has done is, is say, no, uh, we're not going to have Wall Streeters in this administration. Uh, he's basically uh, pulled the plug on Bob Rubin and Larry, Sum Larry Summers and all of their protégés. Uh, instead, you've got people, you know, Heather Bushy and, and Jared Bernstein and others who are not Wall Street, who really are thinking about workers first, who are thinking about um, making this economy work from the bottom up instead of the top down. Uh, it's a very, very different economic team. It's a very different approach to economics. Uh, it is not globalization. Uh, it is not, in fact, it's, 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 it's deglobalization. But instead of it being deglobalization like Trump, it's deglobalization with industrial policy. So you are actually encouraging manufacturing jobs. You're building the manufacturing, rebuilding the manufacturing base of the country based upon new industries that we're going to need in the future like uh, semiconductor chips and like uh, and, and infrastructure and uh, you know and wind and, and solar and, and this is dramatic it's very important you also have a Biden administration that is taking on a big corporations in terms of monopolization right. for the first time that you know uh, Clinton didn't want, didn't want to get close to antitrust and neither did uh, Barack Obama uh, but you have now an administration that is really aggressively going after some of these big monopolists uh, and an administration that is also helping labor, organized labor, uh, in ways that the Clinton administration, I was there, I can tell you how frustrating it was, and the Obama administration did not want to help organized labor. This is an entirely different picture. It's an entirely new uh, approach and people really do need to understand this Heather. Right and young people too right and I know I mean I can brag for a second but in terms of the inequality media civic action videos I mean we really are getting to young people over 60 percent of people viewing videos on TikTok on our channels are 18 to 24. So it's just, it's interesting because of course these, you know, macro policies and adjusting tack of this giant ship and de-rigging what's been done for eons takes time and isn't felt in the here and now by the average, you know, 19 and a half year old. Well, that's, that's um, but it's the big picture. You've got, you've, got, you've got a Republican party, um, um, maybe backed by the Chinese and Russians, who knows, on social media uh, that keep on uh, emphasizing Biden's age and making him look like he is uh, is is ineffectual and can't even speak. Uh, when in fact you've got a president who is is vital, uh, who is doing extraordinarily important things. Uh, the best president in well, I think in 20, 30 years we've had certainly in this country. Uh, certainly the best president uh, we've had in. Well, I would say, again, since Lyndon Johnson, early Johnson, I'm not talking about the Vietnam War years, I'm talking about the civil rights and, uh, and, and the early voting rights, uh, but, he, but he's not getting credit because people are not seeing it. Um, and the Democrats, as usual, very bad at, uh, at messaging. 
Well, I know. And he is aging. And I mean, he's not that much older than Trump, but we are not known for our filial piety. I mean, we're not, we Americans aren't known for loving and respecting the older you get. <laughs> it's kind of like, we'll watch you fumble and we'll nail you to the wall. I can, I can. I'm 77 years old, Heather. I mean, you were a little. I was born in 77. A little spring chicken. I'm 77 years Someone, oh, someone checking me out at Trader Joe's, um, checking out, you... checking me out at this at the grocery. She looked at my my driver's license. She said, "You're 77." I said, "Years old or born in 77?" You have to be specific when you say those things. Um, okay, can we? We haven't talked about Elon Musk. Oh, this is this is a really, this is a, a, a bummer of a of a weekly session. I mean, we have to. We talked. We started talking about the polls, and then we talked about about you know all of the wonderful things Biden is doing that people are not getting. I know. And now you want to talk about Elon Musk. Well, yeah. We have to. Because well, we don't Elon have to, is, but I do. I think more is going to be revealed here. And this is an interesting time. I'm not the only one saying it, obviously, and it's not my expertise. But so we have Starlink, right, which is this constellation of satellites up in the sky. And he's running Internet for much of the world. And so there was a New York Times article yesterday talking about his ability to enable or um, turn off the internet based on what people on the ground are doing, including as it relates to war. This floored me. It, it, it amazed me too. This is, this is a, a excerpt from Walter Isaacson's upcoming book about Elon Musk. Uh, and it shows the power, the raw power that he has exercising over who's going to get access to his satellites. Uh, and now, you know, and now he has, he has Twitter, which he calls X. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is a man who has uh, as much, if not more power than the head of state, but it is unaccountable power. Uh, this is, you know, this is uh, one, he's, he's in effect, one of the biggest autocrats in the world. Uh, and how we let him accumulate this much power, I don't understand. Why did the Defense Department and the, and the State Department allow Elon Musk uh, to get to the point where he can decide who in a, in a war, who's going to have access to his satellite technology? I mean, absurd, absolutely absurd. It's and absurd. I know for him to just have the toggle switch, but I think much more needs to be done about the ethics of space technology. I'm sure there are better terms for it, but this is something we're going to need to watch well, I think because it's, it's scary. It's scary, but it goes beyond ethics. It goes to, to the heart of power, mm -hmm. a word that we hate to use, um, but it is at the basic, basic, basic of every, base of everything. I mean, Elon Musk has uncontrolled unaccountable power uh, and that's got to be stopped yeah he's uh, you know he, he that, that those satellites up there are there not because he just has the right to put them there uh no they're there at the behest and with the willingness of the united states the united states government really has got to reassert power over musk and i think the same thing with twitter with x whatever he wants to call it yeah I mean, had been a major source of information uh, for you know millions and millions of people, if not billions of people around the world. Uh, wow. There is a new, um, uh, just a new European study showing that 
The Russians are now filling Twitter with disinformation, filling it, and uh, Musk is doing absolutely nothing about it. Uh, well, this again is raw power that is unconstrained and uh, unfortunately is working for the wrong side. I know, and just the dollar bills around him, walling him into his tower. Now, the richest man in, in the world, uh, richest person in the world, but even beyond that, I mean, wealth and power go together, uh, yep. but uh, we, we've, uh, we cannot, this, this cannot be allowed, Heather. Uh, and one of, the, one of the themes that we talk about in, uh, you know, I talk about on Substack all the time, and we talk about in inequality media, uh, is uh, the misallocation of power in the United States and also around the world. Yep. People, it's, it's a dangerous situation. It is, and the structures we need to, you know, help the sources be countervailing Right. I mean, they're I feel like Biden's trying to help put him in place. He is. I mean, countervailing uh. power, the major source of countervailing power in this country over the last 120 years has been labor unions. Right. Uh, right. They've gone from 35 percent of the private sector to six percent of the private mm. sector. It's not much of a countervailing power now. You've got to rebuild, rebuild labor union power in this country. Okay, well, any speaking of labor unions, we've got a weekend upon us. Are you doing any love that video, by the way, that we did? I don't know if people saw it um, last week, why there are weekends. So any plans for the weekend, Bob? I am going to a wedding this afternoon. Ooh. Yes, by uh, an old friend, former uh, colleague at Inequality Media, who is getting married. And I met his bride yesterday, and it, it's very exciting. I love that. That's good. Yeah. Weddings and, 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 and bar mitzvahs. And funerals. And, oh, sorry. You know, I was going to talk about the things that I, I love. I mean, I'm, no, I don't really, really love funerals. Um, but that's great. Rebirth and excitement. I'm going to uh, a fundraiser at a state park. Well, that's the park sounds good. I'm not sure the fundraiser is. Well, it's a festival. It's a music festival, but I think it'll be good. And I'm taking a mom friend. Friendship is so fascinating. You know, I'm. You know, you are a very good friend. You 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 invest in friendship. I you know I'm a typical man, and men are not terrible. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. It's a stereotypical thing, but men in generally generally speaking are not really great at friendship. Women are much better and you're really terrific. Well, thank you for saying that, but you're not the only one to say, I mean, we've read it. I talk about this with my husband a lot and the pandemic has done a doozy on friendships and male friendships um, included. Um, but yeah, so trying to find new friends is kind of fascinating. You know, over your life, you have little pockets along the way where you meet people school and the work and if you do graduate school and then if you're a parent and i don't know neighbors but anyway so finding new friends later in life is interesting one of the things i've noticed heather is that is that as you get older you begin to lose friends if you don't obviously if you don't keep track of them if you yep. don't work at it you lose them yeah and then you find yourself uh, at the age of whatever um and it's pretty late and you might feel a little bit shall we say lonely so yeah. everybody out there don't be lonely uh, go out make a call 
tomorrow um, to an old friend, uh, rekindle an old friendship, an old relationship. uh, And uh, while you're at it, politically active. uh, And let's make sure that Joe Biden is reelected and Donald Trump doesn't come close to the White House. This is good. Have a great week, everybody. Heather, you have a great week. And you. I like leaving with, I don't know, action items. Thanks, Bob. Action items. Okay, thank you. See you next week.